This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about structured settlements from experts across the U.S. Ringler Associates, celebrating 35 years of successfully helping injured people and their families. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations. And again, very happy to have you with us. Well, today on Ringler Radio, we're going to be giving for some of you what I suspect is an introduction to the concept of constructive receipt. But for many more of you, I think is more of a refresher course on the topic because this has been a, uh, a watchword in the whole area of structured settlements ever since they first were devised way back in the uh, late 1970s. And we're going to discuss why it's an overlooked issue in the structured settlement industry and explain how to address it on the front side of the settlement process when you're dealing with these cases uh, as you go along. And to help me do all that is uh, an attorney from Newport Beach, California, a man who's been involved for over 30 years with uh, the tax issues surrounding structured settlements, someone who's very well known in the arena, Dave Gardner. Dave, thanks for joining us. Glad to be here, Larry. How are you? I'm doing great. Well, Dave, let's start with the definition of constructive receipt for those who may not be familiar with it. What What is constructive receipt? It's a concept that's uh, in the tax regulations. Uh, according to the IRS, it's it's when something, money has been credited to the taxpayer's account, set apart for the taxpayer, otherwise made available so the taxpayer can obtain it at any time without any substantial restriction. Um, unfortunately, it's one of those Typical things is kind of a sometimes touchy feely thing. It's not they're not real clear cut guidelines, uh, so you have to kind of look at the substance of the transaction to know uh, when when you got it. Uh, but basically, the concept is uh, even even though you may not have put the money in your bank account, it's so readily available to you that it's as if you had received it, and and therefore you it can be taxed as if it was in your bank account. From the beginning, exactly, and then there's a there's a related concept called economic benefit, which uh, sometimes even of course the IRS confuses the two. There, uh, but the economic benefit is is a concept where you don't necessarily ever have the ability to just go and withdraw that money, but it's been so set aside and so protected and secured that you have all the economic benefit. That's that's often uh, the case in let's say when you have a trust account, you might have economic benefit of the funds in that trust account such that you're treated as if you were the taxpayer. Well, because these are tight ropes that have to be walked, that's why tax attorneys like yourself are employed, isn't that right? <laughs> exactly. And so what and in this case what we try to caution the uh, attorneys involved in these settlements is that um, stay away from the gray area. There are certain things you can probably do in your documentation to avoid drawing attention to these issues and setting up red flags and they really don't affect the uh, overall settlement. It's just a matter of dotting your I's and crossing your T's. Well, let's tell the audience again, why is constructive receipt an important concept to the structured settlement industry? Well, there's always that situation in a structured settlement, or not in the structured settlement, but during the settlement negotiations, where the parties have been talking about different options or alternatives to settle. They can be talking about a lump sum, 
or they can talk about periodic payments or some other form of remedy. Uh, so the the issue here is that you need to have avoided the situation where that lump sum is so available to you that it's there for the taking. And so uh, you cannot effectively uh, convert that into a periodic payments or a structured settlement because what's unique about the periodic payments on structured settlement under the code is that even the in, what we might call the interest portion of the additional amount that you get because it's paid over time, that is not taxable in the personal injury settlement. Whereas if, if you gave that personal injury plaintiff a lump sum and then, then he or she invested it, they'd have to pay tax on the earnings. So uh, if you had constructive receipt, you would lose that tremendous tax-free benefit of the structured settlement. You might remember back in the early days of structured settlements, uh, one of the the things that always was brought up, that mere mention of the cost of an annuity or a structured settlement could could amount to constructive receipt. And I think we all found out that that wasn't necessarily the case. Uh, there are a few of those bogeymen that, that have come up along the way. In fact, am I right on this, Dave, that even though discussions are had in, in, the, in the context of a mediation, until the final settlement documents are actually drawn, quartered, and signed, uh, there's no constructive receipt element at work. Is that right? That's correct. And the issue about knowledge of the, the lump sum amount that's being, being used to fund the settlement, the IRS had even issued some private letter rulings where they said that would not uh, create a situation of constructive receipt. Uh, I often cite the case of Childs versus Commissioner, which actually happened to deal with uh, attorney's fees payments in a structured settlement. But in there, the, case, the court went, this was the 11th Circuit back east, uh, they went into a great length of talking about the mechanics of the settlement, and they basically said that until the settlement was finalized, that there was no constructive receipt. Now, they didn't quite clearly say what finalized meant, but I take that to mean until the you know the ink had dried on the settlement document. So, as you know, Larry, probably as well as I do, or better than I do, that parties can back out of these settlements any time up till when the, the the settlement documents have actually been signed. So even though that lump sum amount has been dangled in front of the, the plaintiff, if he hasn't really accepted it, he doesn't have constructive receipt. Well, absolutely right. Now, let me ask you this question, Dave, because this comes up oftentimes. Claims get settled, documents get, get executed, and the claim person, the claim representative, uh, because of time constraints, things are going to drag for a while. Maybe court approvals are going to be required. They like to get these funds off of their books, and so they they oftentimes want to send the settlement funds onto an escrow account. And if they want to send that those those funds to an escrow account of their defense attorney, does that uh, impact constructive receipt? Uh, not to the defense attorney, not not at all. Um, again, though, you'd have to be careful in that situation because the the regulations I mentioned before they talk about constructive receipt when money has been set aside. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say in in most of those cases, uh, if not all cases, that there would not be constructive receipt uh, under the principle that there's no guarantee that that money will stay in that that escrow account that. Um, any number of things could happen. There could be issues to be dealt with. Uh, but general, as a general rule, just giving the money to the defense attorney would not 
for for a escrow account or otherwise would not be constructive receipt because that defense attorney is the agent for the defendant or the right. casualty insurance company. Now, on, on, in a contrary scenario, if that money was sent to the plaintiff attorney's escrow account, even though it never went to the plaintiff, uh, what impact would that have on constructive receipt? Well, that, that may even go beyond constructive receipt to actually be considered actual receipt because, again, the, the attorney is the agent for the plaintiff. But that, that's, that's one we always consider one of the, the definite no-nos in avoiding constructive receipt is never give the money to the plaintiff's attorney's trust account. Well, absolutely. And I, I'm glad you, you confirmed that because that's been the, the watchword of the structured settlement industry forever. Talk about how constructive receipt can affect uh, a client's income tax. How, how does that? How would that work in the context of uh, what we consider to be a tax-free structured settlement, for example? Okay. Well, again, once once the plaintiff had constructive receipt of the lump sum amount used to fund the structured settlement, from that point on, the plaintiff would be taxed on all the earnings, and so when they received annuity payments. A portion of each annuity payment would represent return of that initial lump sum, but another portion would represent taxable interest on that settlement. So they would, in effect, destroy the constructive receipt would destroy the tax benefit of a structured settlement. Well, and that's why every structured settlement needs to be carefully considered, carefully, and especially the the documents around it have to be carefully drawn, reviewed, and. Uh, and gone over because uh, it, it's very without the proper wording. Even it, you could you could take a tremendously effective structured settlement tax free program and convert it to a taxable program to the detriment of the claimant. Correct. Correct. Dave, let's talk about the uh, area that's become somewhat controversial: uh, the qualified settlement fund. Obviously, where there were mass torts involved, where thousands of claimants or hundreds of claimants are involved in a in a particular incident. And no one can figure out the pro rata portion for each claimant. Defendants and insurers are able to pour money into a qualified settlement fund and get a general release and yet have that money still sit there with the ability to be structured and come out tax-free to a, to a particular claimant. Talk about that. Is, is that. is that your understanding of it? Yeah. The, the, the qualified settlement fund was was created in the tax code as a means for allowing the defendants in those cases to be able to walk away from the case by paying money into the settlement fund and be able to take a deduction for the amount they put into that fund at that time. Um, and so it was, it, and, and the tax laws that were developed around that were, again, one, to uh, give the defense the ability to take a tax deduction and close its case, and second, to make sure that the funds that were in that settlement fund to the extent that they were invested and had earnings, that that fund would have to pay the tax on it. That the treasurer was concerned that there was money that was being earned in these settlement funds that was not being taxed. Mm-hmm. The qualified settlement fund was not set up for the benefit uh, of the plaintiffs and to change the rules regarding constructive receipt and economic benefit. Those are, are still present. However, of course, as you mentioned in the mass tort case, there's no specific amount that's been set aside for any specific plaintiff. So the specific plaintiff does not have constructive receipt, and that specific claimant has to, in effect, go in and negotiate or work out a specific settlement with the trustee or intermediary that's handling that settlement fund. 
Exactly. So even though the, the funds sitting in the Qualified Settlement Fund bank get uh, earn interest and get taxed on that interest, the actual individual cases that flow from that fund, the payments that come out to individual claimants, can be tax-free through a structured settlement, even just as if they had come from the defendant themselves. Correct. And, and the regulations uh, mention that fact that that the individual plaintiffs can can in, in, enter into structured settlements with the Qualified Settlement Fund. Right. And my understanding is the Qualified Settlement Fund, the uh, special masters and those folks are able to sign these qualified assignment documents uh, to, to further give credence to the structured settlement. Correct. Now, when I mention controversial, that's where we talk about this Qualified Settlement Fund 468B concept uh, oftentimes is, is tried to be used where you have only a single claimant involved. And uh, my understanding is that there, there are real pitfalls in that regard. Why don't you talk about that from your perspective? Oh, right. As, as we mentioned, the, the definition of constructive receipt uh, talks about things like money being credited to the taxpayer's account, set, a, set apart for the taxpayer, otherwise made available. Uh, when you think about the qualified settlement form for a single plaintiff, that's exactly what you've got. This money has been set aside for that specific plaintiff. He's the only person that could ever get any of that money. Now, you may say, well, his attorney might get paid fees or there might be a, a lien. medical lien. Mm-hmm. That's true, but those are for the benefit of that plaintiff. Uh, and when you think about the, some, we've had, I don't want to digress into this, but when we talked about issues about deductibility of attorney's fees, the U.S. Supreme Court said, that all the money that goes to the plaintiff is the plaintiff's money. The plaintiff may turn around and pay the attorney and whether or not they get a deduction. This is not an issue in the personal injury case, but uh, so the, the Supreme Court has said that's the plaintiff's money. And, and so I think anyone who would do a, a 460B settlement fund for a single plaintiff has some very serious tax issues they need to address and don't do it you know, without, uh, with the advice of competent a legal tax counsel. Don't do this at home, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, good. I think we're all on the same page on that issue. And um, but I do, I do tell you that it's still a fairly contentious issue out there in the in the uh, you know structured settlement community and and and, and legal community. And uh, I think it's good for them to hear what you've had to say on this issue. Right. Well, I, th- I think also, I think uh, my my guess is that I don't think necessarily that the tra- Department of Treasury wants to get in this, but uh, they would be concerned about being able to have a plaintiff, when you think about it, what would be the limit on it uh, that the plaintiff could have that settlement fund do all kinds of things, investments and buy things and pay things, uh, and, and without having the plaintiff be taxed on the consequences of those uh, of those uh, actions. Mm-hmm. I, I think Treasury, if they think about it, would not want to condone that kind of, of, of situation. Well, I think you're absolutely right. Well, let's take a quick break right now, and then we'll come back in a minute with attorney Dave Gardner and talk more about constructive receipt. This is Ringler Radio from Ringler Associates. Quite simply, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for 35 years. Ringler Radio is celebrating its sixth year right here on the Legal Talk Network, produced by broadcast professionals. Ringler Associates, the only broker you need. Listen to all the Ringler Radio shows. Just go to ringlerassociates.com or legaltalknetwork.com and click on Ringler Radio and choose a topic. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to all parties involved in the settling of physical injury claims. 
Experience counts. Over 23 billion in structures benefiting 166,000 injured individuals and their families. And one of the few companies that truly enjoys the trust of all parties in the settlement process. Did you know you can download Ringler Radio to your iPod? Just go to iTunes and subscribe to the Legal Talk Network. It's free. We invite you to listen to other shows on the Legal Talk Network. It's free at www.legaltalknetwork.com. Did you know Ringler Radio is one of the top three rated shows in iTunes? Thanks to all of our listeners who download all the Ringler Radio shows. Engage your brain. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and listen to all the great legal podcasts. Someone's at the door. Don't answer it. Why not? I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center. Oh, I need to do that too. Where do I find them? It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening. Or go to WestLegalEdCenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. Perfect. I'll do that right now. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you joined us. I'm uh, here with Dave Gardner, an attorney from Newport Beach, California, with uh, quite a bit of expertise in the tax aspects of structured settlements. Well, Dave, uh, on Ringler Radio, we like to cite examples to give the audience some better perspective. Can you share with us some real-life uh, examples of the constructive receipt issue? Uh, very definitely. I've got a couple that, that come to mind uh, right off the bat, and particularly when we were talking earlier about money going into the plaintiff's attorney's trust account. Um, I recently was was had to look at a factoring transaction. That's where the the plaintiff attorney after a structured settlement uh, wants to try to sell or cash in uh, a, a part of the, the future payments in, re- in return for a current discounted lump sum. And when we got into it, the attorney for the life company made a comment to me and said, you know, this is a taxable annuity. And I said, what do you mean by that? I said, well, we went into the file and noticed that the plaintiff attorney's trust account had made the payment for the premium. So the life company in that case was issuing 1099s to the plaintiff, uh, viewing it as a taxable annuity because there was had been constructive receipt. Interesting. Uh, and so that's just a classic example that, you know, you know, oftentimes we have these people say, "Well, nobody will ever find out about, find out about it." Well, they do find out about it. Uh, and the other example that comes to mind, and this was kind of how to uh, turn a bad situation into a good one, maybe. Uh, we had a, a case where money had gone into a plaintiff's trust account, and one of your colleagues in the Northeast, Larry, uh, came to me and said, what can we do about this? Because it happened to be um, minors' compromise. And in, in those cases, the the money really was still subject to the probate court jurisdiction, and any type of arrangement had to be approved by the court. And so I said, well, you know, even though this money is in the plaintiff's trust account, there may we may be able to say that there are restrictions on the access to these funds. So we actually went back and fashioned a petition to the court and got a court order saying, no, this money really uh, does not belong in this trust account, and the money has to, and, and any settlements have to be approved by the court. And so we took what might have otherwise been a constructive receipt and turned it back into a situation where they're able to fashion a structured settlement. Well, that's a nice nice result on the, on the backside, for sure. Well, what's the best way to avoid constructive receipt 
issues on the front side of the settlement process? What should people be doing to avoid it? I think it really comes down to the settlement documents. As we talked before, uh, you can have all the discussions you want and all the negotiations and make offers for lump sums and so on and so forth, uh, but your settlement documents need to reflect that the ultimate decision was for periodic payments. Also, you need to avoid situations in those documents that would indicate that the plaintiff has ownership rights over the annuity that is used to fund the periodic payments. You go back to this Revenue Ruling 79-220, which is really the benchmark for structured settlements. And in that ruling, the IRS said there was no constructive receipt because the annuity had been purchased uh, at the election of the defense and for the convenience of the defense to fund its obligation to make the periodic payments. If you look at the documents that through the National Structured Settlements Trade Association, NASTA, had put together some years ago, the Uniform Qualified Assignment and the Uniform Qualified Assignment and Release. They do a very good job of addressing, or at least I should say avoiding, the constructive receipt issue by following those guidelines of Revenue Ruling 79-220. Nowadays, we see, unfortunately, there are a lot of cases where people have lost sight of the constructive receipt issue, and you'll see right in the documents wording that would indicate that the plaintiff has the lump sum and has been electing to purchase annuity. You might even see something as poorly worded as the plaintiff uh, will will has elected to settle for an annuity, something like that. Right. So again, it comes back to the settlement documents are really the key. If you do the settlement documents correctly, you should not have any problem. Well, I think that all comes back to the ultimate in all of these, and of all these issues, and that's education and, and knowledge. Uh, I think what you find is a lot of lawyers look to structured settlement brokers to help them through the process because we've been through it so many times. Oftentimes, we can add the paragraphs or, or at least critique those that are in those documents to make sure that they don't you know, get in the way of, of providing this tax-free benefit to their client. Oh, that's right. We, um, I know the, the Ringler producers, because I worked with them for many years, are well aware of, of these issues and well aware of these uh, the, the appropriate documents they use the the uniform qualified assignment documents, and I think um, uh, and the only additional thing, additional thing I would encourage the brokers to do is to educate um, uh, the the claims people and the the attorneys as to the importance of these documents and these issues. You know what, and I would also add mediators as well because uh, oftentimes at the end of these mediations. Documents are put together uh, even at the end of that session, which need to be carefully drafted so that they don't give rise to any any future problems along these lines. Right, right. Well, you know, one thing about the Ringler Producers, Dave, is a, a lot of what we learned about constructive receipt, we certainly learned it from you. So I'm awfully glad you were here. And uh, I remember listening to some of your seminars and also getting some of your reading materials. So thank you again for what you've done in the past. And if anyone wanted to get in touch with you, Dave, uh, going forward, how would they do that? Okay. Well, my phone number out here in California is 949-851-9025. And also, if, if you didn't write that down correctly or forget it, you can get get a hold of me through any of the Ringler producers. They all know how to get a hold of me. Well, we certainly do. And Dave, again, thanks for joining us today. And if you're a first-time listener, you can download any of the Ringler radio shows from our website, ringlerassociates.com. You can also reach any of the Ringler brokers and producers on ringlerassociates.com. And of course, get these uh, Ringler radio shows also from legaltalknetwork.com. 
So you can uh, download on your iPod. You can listen at your desk. Uh, whatever suits your fancy. There's a lot there to learn, and uh, hopefully it'll be informative for you. So again, thanks, Dave, for joining us. Appreciate it very much. And the rest of you, go out and have a great day. Okay. Take care, Larry. Thanks a lot, Dave. Bye-bye. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. In its sixth year on Legal Talk Network with over a half a million listeners, Ringler Associates, where experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to all parties involved in physical injury claims. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential.